Welcome to a special episode of Multifamily Unpacked. My name is Alex Howe. I head up marketing at Funnel. On this episode, Tyler and I chat about recent news, the upcoming Optech conference, and some fun topics like changes to the Delta Sky Miles program. Hope you enjoy. Okay, today we are trying something a little bit new for our podcast format. Tyler and I have lots of conversations, and we thought they might be relevant to others outside the industry. I mean, we think we're we're interesting people, but there are a lot of things that come up that we'd love to share. So we're recording this in early October. We're preparing vigorously for Optech coming up at the end of the month. I know, Tyler, you're excited for that. It's always one of, if not our, our most enjoyable conference of the year. What do you think is going to be the dominant theme this year? I know you've seen some of their preliminary agenda, but what do you think most of the conversations will be around? Yeah. I mean, Optech has always been my favorite conference, even though it's not my favorite place for a conference in Vegas, but the, the name gives it away. I mean, Optech right now, there are a lot of conversations of the operating model. Uh, there are new titles in our industry, shared services, centralization, resource centers. There are going to be a lot of conversations about that. So that's the ops part. And then the the tech part, it's all AI, right? It's all generative AI. Interestingly, it'd be almost more like what are people not talking about compared to previous years? I think you're going to hear less about self-guided tours. It's a bit of old hat. I, I still like IoT myself, but I think IoT is going to be less prevalent in terms of content and and what's hot. So yeah, I think that intersection of how you rethink your operating model combined with how you leverage AI automation, because even just in the last year, as we know, AI with generative technology has just rapidly transformed. So I think those will be the big topics at, at Optech in uh, fabulous Vegas. Yeah, I agree. I think the only other thing I'd add is customer experience seems to be dominating a little bit more, at least from that that early agenda. Because what's the point of all the AI if you're not getting something out of it, right? In, in a lot but, of cases, it's... I mean, I think that's true. I kind of think that a lot of people are getting a little bit more bold talking about expenses than they used to be because we're not seeing 20% year over year rent growth anymore. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times I've heard the comment, well, we don't believe in AI or centralization because we're pro customer service as if the two are separate concepts. I, I think they're one and the same. But now I think people are absolutely sharpening the pencil in their budgets and looking at could AI replace my call center, right? Could a shared services model replace my staffing issues? So I don't believe they're separate topics, but I, I think that people, because of the macro environment, are being a little bit more direct about the realities of we've got to find places to cut in our budget if we're going to make the numbers work. I am uh, excited to see how it does play out. We have some pretty fun things planned for the booth. And unfortunately, I heard from a little bird that there will not be a lot of vendors speaking at this year's Optech. We will we will see when they make the final announcements who made the cut. You know, that's okay. I think I think our operating partners are uh, the ones that people want to hear from anyway. I do think though there's a little bit of short-sightedness in that because the reality is is when the market is changing as quickly as it is, uh, nobody has done all these things, right? And so you want to really understand what are the tools at our disposal to do so. So it's not like there's a ton of enterprises out there that have implemented generative technology across their portfolios. And so the folks that know a lot more about it are, in many cases, the technologists, right? If you go to, you know, you think of any kind of uh, South by Southwest or CSE, uh, you know, these different technology conferences, you're going to see people 
that are on the cutting edge of technology talking about what the technology could do. But uh, either way, I do think Optech is great because the attendees are all really smart, influential decision makers. Hey, I'm the marketing guy. I'm always going to be pushing for us to be speaking up there no matter what. But I hear you. Last week, or actually a couple of weeks ago, the Fed finally took a pause in rate increases. How do you think that is going to play out in multifamily or what effect do you do you expect that'll have? Yeah, I think, well, while we're at Optech, we're going to hear uh, another decision from the Fed if there's going to be another rate hike before the end of the year. I mean, it's a real impact. There are a lot of floating rate debt in our industry. And so we've already begun to see some distress. You know, we do not have uh, the level of distress that other verticals have, obviously, like office. That being said, when you combine the increase in interest rates or the cost of capital across the Sun Belt, where I'm based, massive increases in insurance costs. And it's not like we've seen a drop off in terms of, uh, you know, what it costs to, to operate a property from a staffing perspective, uh, even for those that are centralizing, right? They're seeing increased compensation for the remaining roles that are on site. And so all those things together, again, make it very, very difficult to figure out a way to turn a profit on these properties, to, to increase uh, your, uh, your investment, get that ROI, because so many deals were changing hands. And that's one thing, Alex, I don't think people understand is that rents are, are at historic levels but so are all the underlying operating costs. And most of these assets, the current ownership group, probably has had the asset for definitely less than 10 years in 90% of the cases, and in most cases, less than five years. And so where things will get really interesting is that there's going to be a big desire to move these assets from one ownership group to the other. And right now we're at a stalemate. So for 2024, I absolutely believe operators are going to be very sharp with their pencils and be looking for ways to be more efficient, looking for clever ways to increase revenue. And then the big thing will be with these interest rates kind of staying at those high rates, are we going to see deals just start to move, right? And they're going to have to move at lower numbers, um, but it's no different than what's happening in the single family market where we're all-time historic lows in terms of uh, home sales. So yeah, November 1st, we'll be watching while we're there on the trade show floor at Optech to see you know, what happens with interest rates. Speaking of one of the costs you mentioned there, insurance, they are up significantly, right? That's probably one of the biggest ones we hear folks talking about. You're in Florida, I'm in California. We're probably the hardest hit by this in the kind of upper 30% increases year over year. So with interest rates being at historic highs, particularly in California and Florida, my own anecdote on it is I have a friend who actually has his own multifamily properties. He works for a big multifamily family office and he now, because he let his insurance lapse, cannot get insurance. All state farmers, all the big guys are pulling out. They're not writing new policies, at least on new, new home purchases. Do you expect that they will follow a similar path in multifamily and just not insure entire communities? No, I think that's what leads to distress in the market, right? That's where you get buyers uh, or sellers that don't want to be sellers, right? When someone says distressed asset, what that means is that the person, they've got to get let go of that deal regardless, right? Because it's just going to completely take them under. And, um, you know, there's new people in, in the economy who don't remember the great financial crisis. That's when I was coming into the workforce and my first job was actually in new home sales. And, you know, prior to that, new home builders were having historic, uh, you know, increases in the price of selling homes. Well, they became distressed sellers on their communities because it was better to take a loss or break even on getting that, that inventory off your hands rather than, you know, completely 
could go under and be upside down on your entire portfolio. So I remember my first job selling new homes. We had to compete with three-year-old homes that were short sales and were significantly low. And we were competing on price for a brand new home. And so I think the same thing is going to happen in multifamily. You're going to see more distressed assets hit the market. And ultimately that could loosen things up when people have to take that, that medicine. Uh, on the flip side, the fundamentals remain strong. And, and, and I know we're gonna talk a little bit later about housing affordability, but if demand picks back up and rents start increasing, that coupled with more efficient operating models brought on by centralization, brought on by AI, I don't think we're gonna have widespread pain. So there'll be pockets of pain, as you just alluded to in markets where insurance uh, rates are out of control in places, you know, ownership groups that have loan maturities coming due. So yeah, th- there will be pain in the market for sure. Um, but I, I don't think that people are gonna, operate the way your friend's property is for a prolonged period. They're going to have to just come to terms with letting those assets go. Let's talk about that housing affordability, rent growth, new supply of units on the market. Where are we today with the right balance? Are we? Are, do you think that folks are leaning into renting apartments more so because houses have just become so unaffordable? Are those the folks that are always going to be renting? Where's the pendulum in your mind in terms of supply and demand for it today? Neither of us are economists. So, so some of these topics, obviously, there's a lot of factors at play that, that go way beyond my pay grade. But my point of view here is, is as a vendor in this space for a very long time, um, as a company who, who truly believes in this mantra of being renter-centric, you know, I want our industry to be healthy. I need our industry to be healthy, right? We need this industry to grow. We don't want to see it be in structural decline the way that the office industry is in structural decline, right? So what I see is that, again, these, these factors that are at play that we've discussed uh, are going to be more painful in the coming months because anybody can deal with pain for a short period of time. But, you know, as interest rates stay high, as insurance rates stay high, as when you have to start actually dealing with the pain. Again, using the office analogy I just talked about, through COVID, nobody was in offices, but the office industry was fine. It was only when people didn't go back to the office, right? And these uh, leases came due, then now the office industry is feeling real pain. And so multifamily in 2023, transactions were at an all-time low, demand flattened, but we haven't felt a ton of pain. What I am most afraid of with the question of affordability is the fact that new multifamily starts are down. They are down dramatically, and that is a problem. When I, you know, we have a purview, we get to talk with a lot of large multifamily operators. They are all very optimistic that their market, that the economy for, you know, buying and selling multifamily assets is going to get a lot better in the not very too distant future because the demand will outpace the supply, right? There's just not going to be enough new apartments because there's not enough starts right now. So I'm I'm worried that affordability is going to get back to where it was uh, in 2021, where we're seeing rent increases of 20% year over year. Uh, so that, that's a whole podcast that we could dive into, but it's certainly something to watch. I absolutely believe it's going to be a very hot topic in the upcoming election political cycle to talk about renter affordability. But right now, I think the good news is, and I, I celebrate this news, all the good work that was happening of new units coming onto the market is why you're seeing those rents flatten. Even places like Florida, where we we have 300,000 people move to Florida a year, rents are basically flat. And that's a good thing. But I think we're gonna get back out of whack here in short order because we're just not starting apartments right now. Need places to live, that is for sure. You may have noticed, this is something that I feel very passionately about. Delta just announced some very big changes to their Sky Miles program. For those not paying very close attention, those of us with the Amex credit card were basically able to 
boost very quickly into pretty high status levels without years of flying on Delta planes. And they wanted to change that, wanted to reward those who are spending a lot more money with the airline, announce some big changes. And then in very short order, their CEO, as of a couple of days ago, has come out and just said, we overreached. We went too far. Are bad. Look for changes in the future. Now, I'm not holding my breath. I don't know that they're going to completely put the genie back in the bottle. I don't know that you can. And certainly that's where a lot of these programs are headed. But we all fly a good amount, you probably in particular. Did it did that affect you? Are you on the Delta Sky Miles status hunt like some of the rest of us? Or where where are your allegiances? <laughs> Um, yeah, I am. Um, I have had uh, diamond status for the last several years, but uh, I, I earn it the old fashioned way getting on a lot of planes. And so I'm for one, you know, would be okay if the uh, lounge was a little less crowded. <laughs> that, that being said, let me make this about multifamily and not my my travels. You know, I think that a couple things are at play here. One, I remain shocked at how oblivious our industry is to Every other industry in the world, every other vertical, which is that loyalty matters, brand experience matters. And when you get it right, people will go to the ends of the earth to stick with your brand. And to me, that's the learning here, right? That there's there's another lesson, which is like, you know, corporate greed or margins or whatever it might be that motivated Delta's decisions. But I am very, very bullish on the fact that I think that the loyalty model is going to come to multifamily before long. And I just chalk this up to another example of, of loyalty matters. You know, people absolutely, you know, why they're upset is if it was easy to switch from Delta to American to Southwest to whatever, you know, maybe it wouldn't be such a big headline. It's a big headline because people come to expect an experience. They feel they've earned that and they're loyal to it, right? And and Delta is reversing course or, or at least saying they're going to because they don't want to lose that loyalty. And so I, I think those same concepts will apply to our sector of real estate before long. It already applies to the uh, hospitality sector of real estate. So we know it works in real estate, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry if you lose your status, but I won't be too sorry if, yeah, if I can actually get a cup of soup and not wait a half hour in the lounge. That's cool. I'm just going to count on using all your guest passes to get me in. So I'll just be, I'll be outside waiting for you to let me through the red velvet rope. Have you noticed anything else that we should be talking about that we haven't covered? Yeah. So one thing that um, I, I should have you know, maybe mentioned with Optech, because you know, the majority of our industry are third-party managers. So let me just bring this back to my, my favorite topic, apartments and multifamily and centralization. Uh, something massive has shifted. And I think it has to do the macro with the macro that we've been talking about. Um, I had a conversation recently with an executive at a very large third-party management company. And I asked this individual over dinner, how often does centralization come up with your clients now? And, and what she said to me was all day, every day. Right. And, and that is, I, I swear it was less than 12 months ago that a lot of third-party managers rolled their eyes at us. Right. They'd say, ah, centralization doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. <laughs> well, we, we bet on the fact that the owners would want the same results and it's happening. Now, I think there's a lot behind that again, the macro environment, but, but even more so the reality is, is that there's huge operational advantages for these massive third-party management companies, but they're having to create a new workflow, right? It's, it is not the same for, for them as it is for the REIT. So, uh, what's in the news, if you were, you know, thinking about the news of third-party world of multifamily management, the news is that there's a demand for centralization and, and nobody is really providing that at scale at all. And I feel comfortable saying that, even though we work with several large partners, that there's no company that at, at a scale that meets the demand 
The demand is basically all the institutional owners say, hey, we want Camden type REIT results. And there's a race. There is absolutely a race to get there. So uh, to me, that's headline. That's, you know, that's newsworthy. It's kind of like when back in the day, Alex, I know you you lived in the uh, DC area for some time, but you remember when Amazon was looking for HQ2? Oh, and they were going and holding the cities up and basically having a little contest with all of them. Yeah. In hindsight, it was obviously much ado about nothing. Similar thing here where everyone you know, has seen the impacts of what Amazon did to Seattle. The multifamily industry has taken note of what centralization has done for the REITs and everyone's saying, hey, how can I get those results? And so I think there's a HQ2 type race going on right now where there's a lot of demand for those type of results. And a lot of smart people working on it. So I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes over the next couple of years, but it's no longer even debatable that we're moving to shared services. Like if I was, you know, 23 years old coming into multifamily, all I would care about is a title that says shared services. Like you can pay me whatever you want to pay me, but if my title should says shared services, centralization, multi-property, I'm on a rocket ship in, in my career. So to me, that's headline worthy. You heard it here first, folks. And you just teed me up to drop our new roles and responsibilities playbook, which gives you a lot of instruction as to how to actually organize your teams with some of those new titles, new roles. So if you see us at Optech, please come by and grab one. Well, this is yeah. great. Thanks, Tyler. Awesome. And and uh, Alex, you know, that reminds me, please come by and grab one. If you're a competitor and you want one, just smile and say hi, because that's our favorite when we see the competitors take the playbook. So you're welcome to have them, but you gotta, you gotta shake Alex's hand if you want one. Just ask nicely this time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Multifamily Unpacked. If you enjoyed what you heard here, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and follow Funnel on LinkedIn.